ಭಾಗವತಸೇವಯಾ ಭಗವತಿ ಉತ್ತಮ ಶ್ಲೋಕೆ ಭಕ್ತಿರ್ಭವತಿ ನೈಷ್ಟಿಕಿ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ಭಾಗವತಂ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಕ್ಯಾಂಟು ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಸೆವೆಂಟೀನ್ ಮಾದ ಪಾರ್ವತಿ ಕರ್ಸಸ್ ಚಿತ್ರಕೇತು ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಥರ್ಟಿ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಶ್ರೀಶುಕ ಉಚ ಶ್ರುತ್ವಗವತ ಶಿವಶೋಮಭೂಬ ಶಾಂತಧೀ ರಾಜನ್ ದೇವೀ ಬೀಗತ ಭೀಷ್ಮಯ ಶ್ರೀಶುಕ ಉಚ್ವಗವತ ಶಿವಶೋಮಭೂಬ ಶಾಂತಧೀರಾಜನ್ ದೇವೀ ವಿಗತ ವಿಸ್ಮಯ ಶ್ರುತ್ವಗವತ ಶಿವಶೋಮಭೂಬ ಶಾಂತಧೀರಾಜನ್ ದೇವೀ ವಿಗತ ವಿಸ್ಮಯ ಶ್ರೀಶುಕ ಉಚ ಶ್ರುತ್ವಗವತ ಶಿವಶೋಮಭೂಬ ಶಾಂತಧೀರಾಜನ್ ದೇವೀ ವಿಗತ ವಿಸ್ಮಯ ಶ್ರೀಶುಕ ಉಚ ಶ್ರೀಶುಕದೇವ ಗೋಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಸೈದ್ ದಾಸ್ ಶ್ರುತ್ವ ಹಿಯರಿಂಗ್ ಭಗವತ ಆಫ್ ದ ಮೋಸ್ಟ್ ಪಾವರ್ಫುಲ್ ಡೇಮಿ ಗಾಡ್ ಶಿವಸ್ಯ ಆಫ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಶಿವ ಉಮಾ ಪಾರ್ವತಿ ಅಭಿಭಾಷಿತ ಇನ್ಸ್ಟ್ರಕ್ಷನ್ 
Babhuba became Shantadhi, very peaceful. Rajan, O King Parikshit. Devi, the goddess, Bigata Bishmaya, released from astonishment. Translation by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Sri Shukadev Goswami said, O King, after hearing this speech by her husband, the demigoddess Uma, the wife of Lord Shiva, gave up her astonishment at the behavior of King Chitraketu and became steady in intelligence. Please repeat after me. Sri Sukadev Goswami said, O King, after hearing this speech, by her husband, by her husband. The, demigoddess Uma, the demigoddess Uma, the wife of Lord Shiva, the wife of Lord Shiva gave, up gave up her astonishment at the behavior of King Chitragetu and, and became steady in intelligence. Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Srila Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur remarks that the word Shantadhi means Shiya Purva Sabhava Smritta. When Parvati remembered her former behavior in Karsing Chittaketu, she became very much ashamed and covered her face with the skirt of a shari, with the skirt of a sari, admitting that she was wrong in cursing Chitraketu. Om Ajnanati Mirandhasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manovhishtham Sthapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamaiham Dadati Swapadantikam Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivashadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Shri Shuka Ubacha Iti Shruttava Bhagavata Shiva Shubhavivashitam Babhu Bhashantadhi Rajan Devi Bigata Vismaya Shri Shukdev Goswami said, O King, after hearing this speech by her husband, the demigoddess Uma, the wife of Lord Shiva, gave, her, gave up her astonishment at the behavior of King Chitraketu and became steady in intelligence. It takes us back to a long episode. King Chitraketu was the ruler of the entire earth planet. Although he was the ruler of the entire earth planet, but he was very, very sad because he didn't have any son. And one day Angira Rishi came to his palace 
And he inquired, why are you so morose? Why are you looking so morose? Then Chitraketu told him that although he has everything, but he is feeling so sad because he doesn't have a successor to the throne. He doesn't have a son. And so he begged, please, bless me that I can get a son. So Angira Rishi then told him, okay, you'll get a son. And as he'll be the cause of your happiness, he'll also be the cause of your sorrow. So, King Chitraketu, at that time he thought that maybe the child will be sometimes a little naughty and he'll behave in an inappropriate way, so that will be the cause of his. I think there's too much reverb in that. <clears throat> so that will be the cause of his distress. And so he just didn't really take it very seriously. Incidentally, Chitraketu had many wives. A Kshatriya king in the Vedic time could have many wives. And especially when he didn't have children, he probably was uh, marrying many wives, hoping that he will get some children from someone of them. And in due course of time, when King Angira, uh, when Rishi Angira performed a sacrifice, Putreshti Jagya, in order to receive a son. And as a result of that Jagya, <coughs> King Chitraketu's principal wife, Kritaduti, begot a son. The son was born. Hare Krishna. Can everybody hear me? <laughs> Can everybody hear the mic? <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. So, in due course of time, a son was born. Chitraketu was extremely happy. But after getting a son, he became so engrossed with his son and his wife Kritaduti that he started to neglect his other responsibilities. He was not uh, conducting his royal responsibilities and especially he was not paying heed to any other wife. So he was cons all the time with his uh, principal wife Kritaduti and spending his time with his son. And as a result of that, the other queens became envious, extremely envious, being neglected by the king in this way. And they considered that this son is the cause of his distress. 
so they poison the son. The son is dead. The king was completely submerged in sorrow and lamentation. Queen was crying. So at that time, Angira Rishi came again along with uh, his brother Narad Muni. So he fell at his feet. Chitraketu fell at their feet and begged, please uh, revive my son, bring my son back. So Narad Muni then called the soul back and said, My dear boy, why did you leave your parents? See how they are submerged in an ocean of sorrow. Why did you depart, putting them in this terribly distressful condition? Upon Narad Muni's call, the child, the departed soul came back, came back to the body of that dead boy. And he sat up and he started to speak the words of highest wisdom. He said, a living entity travels in this material nature in different types of bodies due to his past activities, past karma. And since time immemorial, every living entity is traveling in this material nature, transmigrating from one body to another. And in, whenever he gets a body, whether it's a human body or an animal body, he gets his parents. Now, which parents you are talking about? I had so many parents. I have been transmigrating in this way, acquiring sets of parents, brothers, sisters, friends. So which one we are talking about? And in this way this boy gave uh, his words of wisdom and uh, Chitraketu then came back to his senses. From his dead son he learned a very important lesson. He understood the futility of this material existence. And after cremating the boy's body, he fell at Narad Muni's feet and begged him to impart the wisdom that would make him transcend this material nature and become situated at the lotus feet of the Lord. And Narad Muni then gave him the mantra and Chitraketu became so absorbed in chanting the mantra that for seven days he did not have any external consciousness, just kept on chanting the mantra. 
and as a result of that Chitraketu was elevated to become the king of the Vidyadharas and he also had the opportunity there to be able to travel anywhere in the universe along with Chitraketu, Chitraketu's wife also received the transcendental knowledge and became situated in that absolute wisdom of transcendental wisdom and they were traveling through the universe and then uh, they came across uh, a mountain where Lord Shiva he found that Lord Shiva with Parvati surrounded by demigods and sages and exalted personalities but Lord Shiva was embracing Parvati in the assembly of those exalted personalities. So Chitraketu started to criticize that behavior of Lord Shiva. That how can a personality like Lord Shiva behave like this? In the assembly of these exalted personalities, uh, he is embracing his wife in this way. Even an ordinary man uh, deals with his wife in a secluded place in this way. But here he is doing it in front of these exalted personalities. In this way he just kept on criticizing Lord Shiva. And Lord Shiva just took it uh, very uh, calmly. He was unperturbed hearing this criticism of Chitraketu. But Parvati couldn't tolerate that. She became extremely angry. And she started to chastise Chitraketu. And look at this person. He has become so exalted that he uh, is finding faults in the behavior of Mahadev, uh, who is the greatest of all demigods, Mahadev. The exalted sages, the Kumaras, uh, even Lord Brahma couldn't find any fault in the behavior of Lord Shiva and here this upstart is uh, criticizing his behavior. So, as a result of that, you become a demon. Born in a demon, be born in the womb of a demon and you become a demon. But Chitraketu, being cursed in this way, just folded his hands and told Mother Parvati, Dear Mother, whatever you say, whatever curse you cast upon me, I accept it with folded hands and with a bending head. Let it be. 
after all, in this material nature, what is of permanent situation? Everything is transient. Happiness and distress, suffering and enjoyment, all are temporary. It's like a dream. So, in that situation, if I have to accept the position of a demon, it's fine. And saying that, Chitraketu left. Lord Shiva then told Parvati, See, this is a devotee. This is the glory of a devotee of the Lord. He is not perturbed in whichever situation he is in. He is never perturbed whether he is elevated to the heavenly planets or if he is degraded in the hellish condition. And in this way Lord Shiva started to glorify the position of a devotee. By taking shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord, a devotee is not at all concerned about the external material condition. Because a devotee knows in any situation, in every situation, he can maintain his loving relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is the exalted position of a devotee. He is not at all affected by the condition of favorable condition or unfavorable condition in this external material nature. Because he has achieved a state of inner tranquility by developing his relationship with the Supreme Personality of God. And when Lord Shiva spoke to Parvati in this way, this verse is actually describing, Parvati felt very embarrassed. Oh, I have cursed the devotee of the Lord. And previously also it has been mentioned that although Chitraketu was in a position to counter curse Parvati, he didn't do that. He just accepted this curse. No matter whatever situation I am. My dear mother addressing Parvati, who is the actually Jagannatha, the mother of all the living entities in the material nature. He accepted her curse as a benediction, as a blessing. And then later on we will see uh, Chitraketu's glorious character. <clears throat> Chitraketu became a demon, Vritrasura. An extremely powerful personality. He defeated even Indra. The demigods were defeated by him. The demigods were just completely devastated. They approached Narayan. What to do in a situation like that? 
and Narayan advised, the only thing that can actually uh, kill Britra Sura is if thunder is created, Vajra is created from the bones of Dadhichi, a great sage. So in this way we can also see, uh, compared to the greatness of Britrasura, Indra's situation. <laughs> like, then Indra goes to Dadhichi, will you please give me your bones <laughs> so that I can make the Vajra to kill Britra? Another great personality, oh, you want this, want my bones? Take it. He gave up his body. <laughs> if somehow or other I can be engaged in the service of the Lord, let me. So Dadhichi gave up his body and with the bones of Dadhichi Muni, the Vajra was created. Thunder was created. Now Indra challenged Britra with being empowered with thunder uh, that was created from the bones of Dadhichi Muni. He challenged Britrasura. Britrasura just casually went. <laughs> okay, so many times he defeated Indra <laughs> that he was not at all bothered about this challenge. He went. <clears throat> But this time, the demigods were extremely powerful because they have the thunder. And so all the demons started to run away, the, all the soldiers of Britra. And at that time, Britra actually makes a, a very nice statement ah, that you all are not the, uh, the offsprings of your parents. You are not the offspring of your parents but you are the urine of your parents. Now, putra and mutra. <laughs> like you are not the putras. And now Britra alone challenged Indra. And in that fight, Britra hit Indra so hard that the thunder fell out of Indra's hand and Indra was standing there. Uh, Britra could have killed him. But Britra said, Indra, this is not the time to become bewildered with uh, such a dilemma. Pick up your thunder. Strike me. He gave the opportunity for Indra to pick up the thunder. And they started to fight again. But this time with the thunder, Indra chopped off Britra's right hand. Britra was fighting with his left hand. Cut off his left hand. Britra was fighting with his legs. Cut off his legs. Then Britra, assuming a huge form, 
swallowed up Indra. So Indra from the womb of Britra, inside the, from the belly of Britra, he, with the thunder, he cut open his abdomen, came out and he used the thunder to cut his neck. And it took the, for the thunder 365 days to sever the head of Britra. And it has been mentioned that actually Britra was not killed by Indra. When actually Indra was killed by Britra. When Britra swallowed Indra up, he felt, okay, now I've finished my job, let me leave. So he left his body and he went to Shankarshan Loka, the abode of Shankarshan. And so thunder took one year, one complete year to sever the head of Britra from his body. So in this way we can see what a glorious devotee uh, he was. And this also shows that a devotee can be from any background. Um, Britra is a pure devotee, although he's a demon. So this is the glory of a devotee that Lord Shiva forecasted to Parvati. And here Parvati is feeling extremely embarrassed because of cursing such a devotee. Srimad Bhagavatam gives such wonderful examples of the exalted position of devotees. Bhagavatam is actually the wonderful descriptions of the activities of the Lord and his devotees. So Prabhupada gave these books for us to relish and make spiritual advancement. Prabhupada has given the greatest wealth to this world through his translation of these books, especially Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Bhagavad Gita, with his Bhakti Vedanta purport. The scriptures, of course, give the informations about the spiritual reality. But the books by itself is not enough. The books need a teacher to reveal the books, especially uh, when the books are dealing with a reality that is beyond our sense perception, adhokshaja, beyond our sense perception. That's another reality which, is, which cannot be perceived with our eyes or cannot be perceived with our senses. So when it comes to receiving the informations about that reality, it is absolutely essential to have a bona fide teacher 
qualified teacher to reveal these books. It's a matter of revelation. It is not just some intellectual assimilation in the memory. It's a matter of re revelation. Dibbogyan ride prakashit. The transcendental knowledge is revealed in the heart by the mercy of a bona fide spiritual master. And Srila Prabhupada, the bona fide spiritual master of the whole universe, has given this wonderful wealth through his books. Recently I was with Vaisheshika Prabhu, uh, one devotee who is really absorbed in and really committed to Srila Prabhupada's books. And he had such wonderful realization from his association. I know him since many, many years and he, as a householder, he used to work outside in a job. But every day he used to go out distributing Prabhupada's books. And now, of course, he has come back within the uh, mainstream of uh, ISKCON to be involved in rendering his service. And he is, I'm seeing how he's, he's inspiring devotees all over the world. He's traveling and he has his programs to engage the congregation devotees to distribute books. And not only distribute Srila Prabhupada's books. The other day <clears throat> we were with some God brothers and they were remembering they all very excitedly went to the Sankirtan devotees. Those days the Sankirtan devotees were like the warriors the frontline devotees, very, very special devotees, very dear to Srila Prabhupada because they were executing the most important service, distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. So the Sankirtan devotees went to meet Srila Prabhupada, Radha Damodar party. And the first thing Prabhupada asked, are you reading my books? Distributing books, all right, but are you reading my books? So reading Srila Prabhupada's books is very, very important. And I must honestly admit that recently I was kind of actually due to my very busy schedule, I didn't have enough time to regularly read Prabhupada's books. And from that meeting with Vaisheshika Prabhu, I made it a point that no matter what, every day I must read Prabhupada's books. <laughs> Vaisheshika Prabhu also made some arrangements, like how long will it take for you to complete reading Srimad Bhagavatam? Okay, good. What about one year? <laughs> he has a chart for one year as well. 
you know, if you want to complete Srimad Bhagavatam within one year, within 365 days, what do you have to do? You have to read 41 pages every day. If you want to read eight pages a day, you can take five years. <laughs> but if you want to read it within one year, then you have to read 41 pages a day. So never ever disregard or never ever underestimate Prabhupada's books. I had the good fortune of translating most of Srila Prabhupada's works into Bengali. And I remember those were the most blissful time I had. Like I was completely absorbed in reading and translating Prabhupada's books. But one thing I must also admit, when you translate, you don't relish it so much. Because you're simply concerned about changing it from one language to another. But reading is, reading, just reading for the sake of reading is very, very important. In that meeting, another point came up that sometimes nowadays, some devotees think that Prabhupada's books are not really meant for today, for the population of today or the devotees of today or the people of today. Prabhupada's books were meant for the, 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 in, the boys and girls of people of mid-sixties. Prabhupada's books were written in a language which is not really very polished or clear and so forth. And, and the reaction to that was very, very strong. Prabhupada's books are meant for the whole world for 10,000 years to come. <coughs> And there was uh, another god-brother of ours, Bhagavatashraya Prabhu, who is a scholar. He was a very successful person. Uh, he, and before joining, he was a very well-known actor, very erudite. And he started to point out how, how erudite and uh, how perfect and profound Srila Prabhupada's presentation is in English. It's a poetry. The way he was presenting it, you know, it sounded like a poetry. And not only that, it is so clear. Prabhupada's presentation is so clear. And how Prabhupada's books transforms everyone's life. In some amazing way, individuals have been affected by Prabhupada's books. And as a result of that, they became devotees. They committed themselves completely in serving Srila Prabhupada's mission. So, <clears throat> that also takes me back to another situation. Uh, when Prabhupada was here in Vrindavan, 1977, uh, almost every morning. Prabhupada was quite sick at that time. Prabhupada, sick in the sense his health condition was not so good. But still Prabhupada used to circumambulate the temple. The devotees used to carry Prabhupada in a palanquin 
Although Prabhupada's health condition was not very good, but Prabhupada used to come, have the darshan of the deities, and circumambulate the temple. And then Prabhupada used to sit under this tamal tree. Devotees used to do kirtan. And the Gurukul boys, little boys, they used to dance in front of Srila Prabhupada with the kirtan. And Prabhupada used to relish that dancing, enjoy this dancing of those boys. I remember the time when Prabhupada came here. We were in Rishikesh with Srila Prabhupada and one night at around one o'clock, Prabhupada told us that he is going to leave his body and he wanted to come to Vrindavan to leave his body. He said, please take me to Vrindavan immediately. I want to leave my body in Vrindavan. So that night only we packed everything up and in the morning we set out, stopped in Delhi for the night and the next morning we came to Vrindavan. And <clears throat> devotees were ecstatic that all of a sudden Prabhupada is coming to Vrindavan unannounced. All of a sudden Prabhupada decided to come to Vrindavan. So the devotees here were so happy, so ecstatic. Prabhupada came, had the darshan of the deities, then he went to his quarters, sat down. The devotees followed him, chanting. They came into Prabhupada's room. Everyone was so happy. And then Prabhupada started to speak. And there Prabhupada announced why he came to Vrindavan. He told that he came to Vrindavan to leave his body. And I could see immediately how ecstasy could turn into agony. The devotees were so jubilant due to Prabhupada's sudden arrival in Vrindavan. All of a sudden, they all started to cry. And Prabhupada, in a most profound way, started to explain, quoting the verse, Dehi Noshmin Jatha Dehi, Komaram Jovanam Jara. That this body is subjected to the changes, childhood, youth, to old age and tatha dehantara prapti and eventually one has to leave his body. But dhiras tatra namuyati, dhiras tatra namuyati, the one who is situated in knowledge, he doesn't become perturbed by the changing of body. That reminds me another time. <clears throat> Those days I used to cook for Srila Prabhupada. But Prabhupada could hardly eat. 
So one day Prabhupada told me, you have so many things to do and why are you wasting your time cooking for me? There is no need to cook for me. Then I told him, Prabhupada, I cook with an expectation that someday you'll feel good and you'd like to eat. Someday you'll get better, yeah. I use the expression, someday you'll get better and you'll like to eat. Prabhupada said, I'll get better only when I die. And it came to such a jolt, I broke down. And Prabhupada, in a very soothing way, he just said, Is this what you learned from me? Didn't I teach you that the soul never dies, one never dies, one simply changes his body? And then Prabhupada said, I'll always be there. I'll always be there. And later on, when I recall that, I reflect that how Prabhupada said, I'll always be there. But along with that, I feel that that has a condition that Prabhupada will be there for me, provided I want him to be with me, provided I want to be with him. Prabhupada made it very, very clear that he will, he will not die. Another time Prabhupada made that statement, I'll never die. And then he said, I'll always be there in my books. Through my books I'll always be alive. So Prabhupada's association is available to all of us through his wonderful gift of his books. Prabhupada's bopu, his physical form may have disappeared from our sight. He has disappeared from our sight. But Prabhupada is eternally present through his vani, through his instructions. And it's up to us how we want to perceive him and receive him within our hearts. That option is left to us. Another very inst wonderful instruction of Prabhupada <coughs> was just a few days before Srila Prabhupada left the planet, two very important persons came to see Srila Prabhupada. They were, one was the ex-governor of Madras, Sriman Narayan and his brother-in-law, Ramakrishna Bajaj, who was the head of the Bajaj Industries. And they were very fond of Srila Prabhupada and many times they came. And Prabhupada had a very nice relationship with, with them. So they came just a few days before Srila Prabhupada left the planet. And they wanted to speak to Srila Prabhupada in private. So Prabhupada asked uh, us to leave the room. Us means there was Tamal Krishna Maharaj, Upendra Prabhu and myself. 
So Prabhupada respected their desire. They wanted to speak to him in private. So while leaving the room, I pressed the record button of the tape recorder. <laughs> That's how <clears throat> we have the uh, we have the, uh, the conversation that they had, and they asked who would be Prabhupada's successor after he left. And Prabhupada's response was that I'm not going to appoint any successor. <coughs> I'm not going to appoint any successor. I give the legacy to all my followers. Whoever follows will have the legacy. And it's such a prophetic statement. You know, Prabhupada gave the legacy to whoever follows. It is not limited or restricted to any personal, in, per any individuals whom Srila Prabhupada would appoint. Prabhupada has given the legacy to all who will follow and that will go on generation after generation. Whoever follows will have the legacy. And again, uh, in order to follow Srila Prabhupada, we have to rely upon his books. Prabhupada said he has given everything in his books. Prabhupada even went to the extent of saying that the books are the basis for this movement. Whatever is happening in ISKCON all over the world is based, is founded on the instructions that Srila Prabhupada had given in his books. So let's uh, remember the importance of reading Srila Prabhupada's books with uh, utmost sincerity and dedication and also motivate others to read. That's why I'm taking this opportunity to remind all of you about the importance of Srila Prabhupada's books. These books are not meant only for distribution. These books are meant for everyone to read and enrich themselves with this most profound knowledge the world can ever have. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Gaur Premanande Hari.